Welcome to South Florida Sunday, Sharina with you today, and we are going to be talking about brain health. Um, we celebrate so many things in June, but did you know that June is also Brain Awareness Month? I have Dr. Ralphie Wald, a neuropsychologist at the Marcus Neuroscience Institute, part of Baptist Health on the line with me today, and we are going to discuss all those common questions surrounding brain health. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Wald. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Let's just jump right into it. How can individuals best keep their brain health intact? Diet, exercise, what's the situation on that? Yeah, great question. So um, the biggest risk factor for dementia and memory loss is increasing age. And uh, obviously there's nothing we can do about that. We're gonna keep getting older, but Mm -hmm. uh, the next biggest risk factor is uh, any kind of vascular health risk. So that means high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, thyroid disease, sleep apnea. So uh, the most important thing that we can do in order to give ourselves the best chance of not developing dementia is to maintain our vascular health. So if a person has any of those health risks, um, partnering with your doctor in order to manage them, uh, in addition to getting regular exercise and managing your diet well. Wow. So it sounds like the cardiovascular system plays a huge role in our brain health. Speaking of underlining, by the way, um, what about mental health, depression, anxiety? Do you think left untreated, mental health can have a long-term negative effect on overall brain health? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, If a person does have a predisposition towards depression or anxiety, a lot of times what we'll see is people that um, sort of have the beginnings of memory issues. Mm. Uh, If they suffer from depression or anxiety, if they have a major depressive episode, then a lot of times what will happen is things will get worse a lot quicker. So it is really, really important to manage your mental health uh, as you get older. Um, You know, and that also includes uh, exercise, partnering with your doctor if there are any history of mental health problems and making sure that you're kind of being honest with yourself in terms of how you're doing. Yeah, that's an interesting point, especially seeing the long-term effects of experiences people just tend to write off. You know, you mentioned memory loss. Alzheimer's is a hot topic right now. What are some notable statistics regarding Alzheimer's? Yeah, I think the most important thing for people to remember with Alzheimer's disease is that with every decade we age, Mm -hmm. uh, our chances of developing Alzheimer's disease are going to increase exponentially. So when people are in their 50s, there's a very low chance. And then once they get into their 60s, the likelihood is going to hover around 10%. And then once you get into your 70s, again, it it increases exponentially. Um, So that means that you need to be really serious about managing your health. Essentially, if it's good for your heart, it's good for your brain. If it's bad for your heart, then it's bad for your brain. So that's the important thing to bear in mind is just the older you get, the more at risk you are. So... Mm -hmm. So keep active. Now, is it just that Alzheimer's has been like such a focus in recent years that we're hearing more about it? Or are we actually seeing significant increases, you know, due to us living longer or is this something else? As the population ages, we're going to see more and more uh, Alzheimer's disease. So, um, again, increasing age is the biggest risk factor for Mm -hmm. dementia. And as we have more and more treatments for uh other medical conditions and people are able to survive longer, we're going to have more and more people with Alzheimer's disease. So it probably is not your imagination that you're hearing more and more. Part of the reason I think that we're hearing about it more is that for the first time in quite a while, there has been some new uh, 
medications that have become FDA approved for the treatment of Alzheimer's disease. Right. Yeah, I have a few questions about the new treatments that came out, but uh, I have to ask, what are the correlations between family history and Alzheimer's? There definitely is a relationship between Alzheimer's and family history. There is one gene in particular uh, that we know if a person is positive for that gene, then they have a fairly dramatically increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. There are a number of other genes that we're aware of that do increase a person's risk. Um, And then there's also people that have no family history and they develop it as well. So, you know, it's, it's complicated to say that they're the genetic link because depending on what gene you're talking about, it could be a very large link or it could be a fairly strong link or otherwise it it might not be genetic at all. We definitely see a lot of people with no family history of Alzheimer's disease that do go on to develop it. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, do you think it's because of our diet that some patients who don't have any history or family history at all of Alzheimer's tend to develop it or is something else going on? I think part of it is our diet. I think that part of it is aging. The overall vascular health of a person right, is kind right. of where it ties in because, um, again, if a person's not taking good care of their heart, that means their brain is also suffering. Again, if it's bad for your heart, it's bad for your brain. So if a person is not eating well, then that, that can impair their, their vascular health. And if it impairs their vascular health, it puts them at an increased risk of of Alzheimer's disease. Um, So it's that in addition to the fact that, you know, we have more treatments for other conditions, so people are are living longer than they might have otherwise. Right, right. Um, And this is just speculation on my part, but there are so many different health trends and advertisements uh, for certain vitamins and multivitamins, and uh, people just jump on them without first speaking to like a health professional, not even knowing if that is actually right for their bodies. Do you think that that might also pose a threat to their brain health over time? Yes, definitely. So, I mean, at best, purchasing a supplement or a vitamin without consulting your doctor first is most likely going to be uh, a huge waste of money. Mm. <laughs> um, and at worst, it can cause serious health problems. Um, it is possible to um, make yourself very, very sick from a dietary supplement or taking a vitamin, taking too much of a vitamin that your body does not need more of. There are vitamins that can make you very, very sick. You know, when you put something into your body, uh, whether it's a vitamin or a supplement or a drug, when you swallow it, it goes through your entire system. In clinical medicine, there are no silver bullets. So Mm. every drug and every supplement has many effects when we put it in our body. We can't You know, if we have a medication that we want to treat memory loss, we can't put it in the body and say, okay, only affect memory loss. It has many effects because it circulates throughout our entire body and it passes through our circulatory system. So um, it's important to know that, you know, anything you put in your body is going to have many effects, which is why doctors have to make a decision. You know, if I give this person this medication, I know there are going to be side effects, but will the therapeutic effects outweigh any side effects that will come along with it. Wow, that is um, really important information, actually. (laughs) I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah. Or realize it, rather. Yes, it's true. Wow. Um, Let's talk about prevention. What are some things that people can do to lower their risk of contracting dementia or Alzheimer's? Yeah. So um, 
I think one thing that's important to note before I get into that oh, is sorry. just a lot of people um, ask me what the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's is. Yes. <laughs> so dementia, by definition, is it's an impairment in your thinking skills. So by definition, a person with dementia has an impairment in their memory and at least one other thinking skill. So like their ability to concentrate on something, their ability to see things properly in space, mm-hmm. uh, their ability to you know, juggle information in their head. Um, and give it back to someone in a different form. So dementia is a description of a cognitive impairment. Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia. So that's why you hear about Alzheimer's disease so frequently. And there are many, many, many things that can cause dementia. Of all those, Alzheimer's is the most common, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, when people ask me what I think they can do to prevent dementia, I have a list and I say them in this order. Um, Number one, like I said, vascular health. If you have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, thyroid disease, peripheral vascular disease, any history of embolus, so like clots, those are all vascular risk factors. Uh, One that people tend to forget about, which is really important, is sleep apnea because sleep apnea Mm. is extremely common and underdiagnosed and it's a major risk factor for dementia. So uh, number one is vascular health. Number two is your mood. So that means depression, anxiety, managing your mental health, in my opinion, is the second most important thing you can do. And that includes staying active socially. Um, I kind of tie that in with psychological health. And then the third one is staying active cognitively, doing puzzles. And games, um, yeah. (laughs) Games, reading, playing, bridge, those sorts of things are all really good for your brain as well. But I would say from, in my opinion, that ranks third on the list after vascular health and psychological health. And I want to add one more to your list, diet, because your brain uses a lot of nutrients it's getting from your food. There are so many people who brag about skipping meals and everything like that. They're actually doing harm to their body, right? Yeah, definitely. The way a lot of these medications work, like antidepressants, for example, is it's as though the brain is a giant mansion with, you know, 80 rooms in it. Mm-hmm. And um, what an antidepressant does is it it's kind of like a key that unlocks the door. It unlocks the doors in the house so that, you know, the doors can open and close and things can go in and out. But okay. the issue is that nutrition is the thing that goes in and out. So the things that kind of make our brain work are things like potassium and sodium and uh, calcium. So if there's there's no nutrition in the body, then all the antidepressants, for example, in the world are not going to work. Nutrition is crucial for psychological health and for for brain health uh, and healthy aging. Now, you're part of the Marcus Neuroscience Institute, which is also part of Bathys Health. What treatments are available for patients with dementia there? Yeah, so we have specialists in every essentially uh, neurological area. So, for example, we have a movement disorder specialist that helps patients with Parkinson's disease. We have a neuromuscular specialist. We have an epileptologist. Um, We are up to date and know the best current treatments for all different neurologic conditions. And in terms of Alzheimer's disease, there are... There are two classes of medications that have been around for a very long time, the cholinesterase inhibitor and the NMDA antagonist. So it's not going to be on the test, don't worry. <laughs> um, but those two classes of medications have been around for a very long time. And typically the company line is people will say that it 
those medications will give a person a boost of three to six months with their thinking skills. Okay. I've seen yeah. a lot of people do a lot better than that. I've wow. seen a lot of people not get much of a boost at all. But recently, um, what has been happening is we've had two medications that are in a completely different class. Uh, a class of medications called monoclonal antibody. And essentially what those medications do is they treat the the pathology, the abnormalities in the brain that show up as though they're like an invader, like a virus, and oh. they attack them and break them up so that they don't exist on the brain anymore. Um, so there have been two medications within that class that have been approved recently uh, for Alzheimer's disease, one of which is not prescribed very much because we found that it causes some other problems in the brain. Uh The other one seems to be more promising. The name of the second medication is uh, lecanemab. Uh, The brand name is is Lecembi. And it is, for now, only available by infusion. So it's not available in a form, in a pill form that you can take. Um, And it is very expensive, and we're sort of waiting to see if Medicare is going to be covering that medication. So that's kind of where we're at with the new class of medications. Okay, so walk me through what a patient would experience once they come to the Marcus Neuroscience Institute. Yeah, so a lot of times um, what happens if a person has uh, a memory complaint, either their primary care doctor or one of the neurologists here or outside the center will refer them to me. And my job is to sort of look at the person. I go through their medical history before they ever walk in my office. I go through their medical history in a lot of detail. I take their history myself because there's a lot of specific questions that I like to know about the person, about their medical history, um, observing the way they walk, the way they talk, um, sort of everything about them. I have access to brain imaging, which is extremely helpful. And sometimes I will do a very brief physical exam if I need to. Um, but then the bulk of the appointment is spent on looking at some of the person's thinking skills, like their memory, their executive functioning, their spatial reasoning. And once I've administered those tests and I have all the other information that I need, I can, within a great degree of certainty, uh, make a proper diagnosis and make recommendations for that person's care. Okay. And do you guys work as a team or is it just kind of like a one-on-one consultation? The typical course of things is uh, that the patient will come in and see the neurologist and um, will tell them concerns about memory and then from the neurologist they come to me um, and I see the patient and evaluate them and make a proper diagnosis and then together with the neurologist, I'm a neuropsychologist, so together we create a plan uh, in terms of um, care for the patient going forward. So it is very much a team effort. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, are there any uh, clinical trials currently open at the Neuroscience Institute? Yeah, so there's no there's no clinical trials currently going on here. But um, essentially, what is happening is we're where I feel like the whole world is almost in a holding pattern, waiting to see, waiting, um, you know, for the okay to hear that insurance companies are going to cover this new medication. Yes. Um, and once that happens, again, for now, it's only available by infusion. So we're going to need to have chairs for all these patients to get infused. And not only that, in order to qualify for the medication to be covered, they're certain tests that are going to need to be administered in order to confirm that the person does indeed have Alzheimer's disease. Mm. Um, There are different ways to do that. So first of all, they're going to need to have cognitive testing to 
be certain that there is an impairment in their thinking skills. Right. And then there's also um, going to need to be confirmation of the pathology, the abnormality that shows up with Alzheimer's disease. So there's a couple of ways to tell that. One is by a specific um, imaging technique called an SDG PET, mm-hmm. um, which as of now insurance doesn't typically cover, so hopefully that will become covered. And then the other way to do it is from a lumbar puncture, which is a lot more invasive. So, um, you know, it's it's complicated, but everybody wants it to get streamlined and right. yeah. uh, we're all just sort of in a holding pattern <laughs> for it to happen. Uh, so what would be your recommendation for individuals regarding like overall brain health? Yeah, the number one thing is get out there and, and move. Get out there and, and exercise. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, how can listeners get in contact with you or your team to kind of set up an appointment or, you know, learn more about the services that your team provides? Sure, absolutely. Um, you can go, uh, if you call the general number at uh, Booker's Own Regional Hospital uh, through Baptist, uh, that's one way to get in touch with us. And also, if you go on the general website for Baptist, you can access uh, all the information you'd want to see Uh, about Marcus Neuroscience Institute.